I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let's begin by taking a deep breath in and breathe out. And again, breathe in, breathe out. Again, breathe in. And as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let everything in your past go. And bring yourself here to this moment. Notice how you feel in your body. Feel the air going in and out of your nostrils. One by one, let the thoughts go. Release any tension in your body. Let it all go. Till you are open and present to this moment. Now decide at this point, what is it that you would like to gain from this episode? What would fill your heart with joy? Whether it's receiving or releasing, let us know that we will have a wonderful time together. Insights will unfold, blinders will be down, and all you have to do is to stay in the now. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Welcome back to To Be Honest. First of all, let me thank those who wrote me、uh, last week, and I'm so glad to hear some of you discovered that you are TCK or ATCK. And for those of you who know that you are a TCK, you are glad that I bring up this topic. So, without further ado, as promised, 
I will now share some viewpoints from different articles that suggested third culture kids have immense potential as successful global leaders. I particularly like Patricia Stokes' work because I find her insightful. She underlines the unique experiences and qualities that shape the leadership potential of those third culture kids. And she basically identified eight qualities that displayed by these children that set them apart. So number one is that they have a cultural diversity that can unite differences. I believe our world population is roughly around 7.9 billion people. And the nature of cultural identity is also evolving at a rapid pace. Just to give you an example, developed nations such as the UK, they have approximately 7.5 million citizens currently sharing a cross-cultural heritage. And they also have an increasingly multicultural society that is catching up with the U.S. So this naturally creates a number of social challenges. So as cultural differences breed variable expectations and misconceptions, Stokes believe that third culture children are therefore ideally placed to lead multicultural societies as they have a greater understanding of these differences and practical experience that can enable them to inspire unity rather than division. So second quality is they are easy to identify with as leaders. Why? Because of the cultural diversity of third culture kids, it makes them easier to identify with across a broader demographic of people, naturally. This has huge merit in multicultural communities where those with a third culture background can share their experiences and unique insights in order to connect with individuals on a deeply personal level. As a matter of fact, in the recent UK election, they find that while voters tended to elect candidates that shared their background in regions where one culture was dominant, however, mixed communities tended to select politicians with a more diverse cultural background. The third quality that displayed by these uh, third culture kids is that they have the practical skills to communicate with people from various cultures. Because by their very nature, third culture children tend to have advanced linguistic skills. Not only do they speak their parents' language, for example. Now, I'm not saying all of them, yeah? So we are not talking about the exceptions here. But they are also required to learn the verbiage and dialects of their adopted country. So that alone can inspire a thirst for knowledge that inspires them to learn more languages as they embark on a course of higher education and their career. Now, this translates into a practical leadership skill, obviously, as third culture kids find it easier to communicate with people from all walks of life, various nationalities and origins. And so they tend to be able to interact with an international team of employees as well. 
I believe one of the most famous global leaders of our time, who just so happens to be a third culture kid, whether he realizes it or not, is the former president of the United States, and that is Barack Obama. He is born to a white mother with mainly a British heritage and a father from Kenya, Africa, and he was born in Hawaii. So, for those of you who do know a little bit of Hawaii, maybe some of the cultural differences between Hawaii and the mainland may seem apparent, but I'm sure some of them may come as a surprise to you. For example, the driving styles in Hawaii—they、uh, are much slower and relaxed. Residents in Hawaii are also very courteous with letting people in their lane and letting others go first. They also wave a thank you, very much different from the mainland. And in Hawaii, they are a very a liberal state, and therefore the Democratic Party wins almost all elections for the most part. Since the cost of living is so high in Hawaii that most people don't own things like jet skis, boats, and trailers, they typically just have their home and a surfboard, and that's it. I think one can say that Hawaii takes on a more qualitative lifestyle compared to the mainland's quantitative lifestyle. Therefore, I also find them quite down to earth. The one thing that got my attention the first time I visited Hawaii is that everyone is a minority in Hawaii. A majority of their residents are Asian or Hawaiian. So, with a small fraction of the population being Caucasian. And in other words, the only dominant population is Asian. But because there are so many different Asian groups, like Japanese, Chinese, Korean, and Filipino, that there isn't any one Asian group that dominates. So it's pretty mixed. So everyone feels like a minority. That's the place Obama grew up in until the age of ten. Young Barack moved to Indonesia with his mother and his stepfather, who is an Indonesian, and stayed there for four years until he was sent to live with his grandparents in Hawaii again. Once in an interview, he said it took him less than six months to learn Indonesia's language, which is Bahasa Indonesia, Indonesian customs, and its legends. He also said that the children of farmers, servants, and low-level bureaucrats had become his best friends, and together they ran the streets morning and night, hustling for odd jobs and catching crickets. Mind you, this is not all. In the interview, he also mentioned that not everything that he experienced in Indonesia made its way into his letters to his grandparents. He said that some things he found too difficult to explain. He didn't tell his grandparents about the face of the man who had come to their door one day with a gaping hole where his nose should have been. The whistling sound he made as he asked his mother for food. Nor did he mention the time that one of his friends told him in the middle of recess that his baby brother had died the night before of an evil spirit brought in by the wind. And the terror that he saw in his friend's eyes for the briefest of moments. Then, all of a sudden, his friend let out a strange laugh and punched him in his arm and broke off into a breathless run.
He also shared that there was the empty look on the faces of farmers the year the rains never came. He said that he realized at that tender age that the world was violent. He was learning, unpredictable, and often cruel. He decided that his grandparents knew nothing of such a world, so there was no point in disturbing them with questions they couldn't answer him. And this is how he described his struggles as a young adult to reconcile social perceptions of his multicultural heritage. And I quote that my father looked nothing like the people around me. That he was black as pitch, my mother white as milk, barely registered in my mind. Unquote. Okay, I shall continue with the fourth quality that TCK displayed. They have an innate understanding of remote communication and its platforms. So, not only can third culture kids interact in various languages and dialects, but they are also well versed in contemporary communication techniques and platforms. So, with friends and relatives living across numerous continents, they are forced to use instant messenger and video call resources regularly in order to maintain contact. Right. So modern communication tools such as Messenger, Skype, Twitter, Instagram, Zoom, and Viber play pivotal roles in driving global businesses and political movements. Not to mention many other social platforms nowadays. So those in positions of leadership must have knowledge of how to use them to their fullest potential. The next quality that they display is that they are well suited to managing change. No matter how or where you apply your leadership skills, one of the key requirements is that you are able to effectively manage change, particularly in this day and age. For most TCKs, this comes naturally to them. Because at some point in their infancy, or forced to relocate and adapt to a new and entirely unfamiliar cultural environment, similar to what Barack Obama experienced as a child, this creates a stronger and more robust mental focus, which enables individuals to cope better with change and empower others to do the same. So, as leaders, this demographic is able to empathize with the negative impacts of change and manage these in a way that helps those who are struggling. Another quality that they display is that they are constantly seeking knowledge and understanding. Now, in a way, in some respects, third culture kids are rootless. Now, this is not necessarily a negative thing. However, as the lack of a fixed cultural identity tends to encourage curiosity and empowers individuals to seek out their own sense of belonging. So, as a result of this, TCKs are constantly seeking out knowledge and understanding. So as they look to carve their own unique place in the world, and in turn, this translates well into leadership, where those with the responsibility for others must embark on a path of relentless self-improvement and constant learning. The seventh quality that they display is they have enhanced time management skills. 
Now, as a general rule, since the relationship dynamics associated with TCKs, they tend to evolve considerably throughout childhood. Not only are they likely to leave family behind in their parents' homeland, for instance, but they may also separate from close friends who have had a keen influence on their lives. So they may even decide to return to their parents' country of birth at some point during their childhood, which completes the cycle and leaves both friends and family members scattered around the world. So, in order to maintain these relationships alongside factors such as education, work, and time zone variations, can be challenging. Although the experience leaves third culture kids with a type of improved time management and organization skills that are obviously central to good leadership. Before I give you another example of a high-profile TCK global leader. The eighth and last quality display by a TCK, according to Patricia Stokes, is TCKs are likely to have grown up with a strong business background. According to her article, children born to powerful parents in the worlds of business and commerce are among the most likely to become third culture kids. So, an estimated 63% of this demographic have also lived overseas for a period of 10 years or more, while the majority of them also resided in more than two nations. So, as a result of this, third culture children or cross-cultural children grow up with an in-depth understanding of business and its demands, making them ideally equipped to evolve into a wide diversity of leadership roles during adulthood when they are ATCK, adult third culture kid. Let me bring the example closer to home, and that is Australia. We recently have elected a new Minister of Foreign Affairs, and her name is Penelope Ying Yang Wong. In short, Penny Wong. She was born in Kuala Kinabalu, Sabah, Malaysia, to a mother who is English Australian and a Malaysian Chinese father. And Penny grew up speaking dialects of Malay, Bahasa Melayu, Chinese. And that is the Hakka dialect and English, of course. And at five years old, she began attending Kinabalu International School. And after her parents separated, she moved to Adelaide, South Australia, at the age of eight, with her mother and younger brother. So, in other words, she was separated from her father at a young age. In one of her interviews, she told the reporter that the dry heat of Adelaide was an assault to, on the senses for a child who had grown up in the tropics. She said, "I quote: I remember the first time I jumped into the sea here and how cold it was." She said. Obviously, in Malaysia, it's near the equator and pretty warm there. And me thinking, what's wrong with the sea? Unquote. But she said she remembers feeling like I didn't belong for some time, especially at her new school. She said, "I remember my first day at school. That was a bit hard, actually. I was probably the first Asian a lot of those kids had ever seen, and I remember things being said as we walked in to go to enroll." 
She continued to say, "I remember people making comment about my race, and me realizing that was the first time I actually realized race was a factor." She said it wasn't until Labour Prime Minister Paul Keating spoke about Australian identity. She says that she felt at home here. I quote: "There was the time he talked about our place in Asia." She said. He spoke specifically about Kokoda and the fall of Singapore as being as important to Australian identity and Australian history as Gallipoli. At some point in that period, I went back to Malaysia. I remember flying back in and landing at Sydney's Kingsford Smith Airport on a hot summer's day. And when the wheels hit the tarmac, I thought, "This is my country now. This is my place." It was the sense of a national identity that contemplated me that made the difference. Unquote. Penny Wong says her early experiences of marginalization and racism motivated her to embark on her own political career. And I quote: "I think wanting to be in Parliament in many ways is connected to arriving here." That sense of knowing what it's like to be marginalized and what it's like to be excluded probably instilled in me a very strong sense of wanting to change that. Unquote. So there you have it, my audience. I sincerely hope that you now have a better understanding of this unique demographic. Let me end this episode by sharing a poem written by Whitney Thomas back in 1991, and it's called "Colors." And this beautiful poem, fitting this context of TCK's world. I grew up in a yellow country, but my parents are blue. I'm blue, or at least that is what they told me. But I play with the yellows. I went to school with the yellows. I spoke the yellow language. I even dressed and appeared to be yellow. Then I moved to the blue land. Now I go to school with the blues. I speak the blue language. I even dressed and look blue. But deep down inside me, something is yellow. I love the blue country, but my ways are tinted with yellow. When I'm in the blue land, I want to be yellow. When I am in the yellow land, I want to be blue. Why can't I be both? A place where I can be me, a place where I can be green. I just want to be green. Thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. dot com. <laughs>